Welcome to Feeding the Flock and our expositions through the book of Ephesians. We are currently in chapter 1 at verse 7. Hi, I'm Glendale Tony. I'm glad you joined me today for this Bible study. Let's begin reading at verse 7 of chapter 1 in the book of Ephesians, where it says this. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, would be to the praise of his glory. So this paragraph, if you want to call it a paragraph, uh, actually verses 3 through 14 in the original uh, Greek language in which Paul wrote this uh, is one whole total sentence. And it, it is not broken up the way it is in our English translations. And so if you think that uh, reading through it the way we do uh, seems a little awkward or a little run on, uh, there's a reason for that. And Paul uh, uh, Paul just uh, can't quit. He just keeps on writing. But uh, this began in verse 3 with, with uh, a praise for our spiritual possession. And it uh, continues on because it has uh, three main components uh, to this spiritual possession. And that is we are chosen by the Father, verses 3 through 6. That's uh, what we covered in the first episode. And then in the second uh, section, we have redeemed by the Son. That's a very verses uh, 7 through 12. And finally, uh, we are sealed by the Spirit, verses 13 and 14. So we will not get to uh, those uh, last two verses there, uh, verses 13 and 14, until the next episode. But we will talk about uh, 7 through 12. And notice that he begins, of course, in verse 7 that with this uh, familiar phrase by now, in him. And that, uh, that means that uh, we we have a location, we have an address, we have a place where the Spirit of God has has put us. And uh, and most of us are familiar with the idea that, that Jesus lives inside of us, or at least uh, uh, little children sometimes when they are led to Christ, uh, they are told to invite Jesus into their hearts. And uh, and so that, that concept of, of Jesus uh, residing inside of us is a familiar concept. It's not unbiblical, but... Uh but what's so fascinating is is uh, how much uh, we can understand that it is also true, spiritually speaking, that we are in him. We have been placed into 
Christ. In fact, that uh, uh, prepositional phrase, in him or in Christ, appears 34 times in this letter of Paul's alone. Uh, 34 times. So that gives you an idea of how important of a concept it is that we understand that we are in Christ. Now, I'm not uh, necessarily uh, sure that I can explain it very well or necessarily understand it with with a great amount of capacity, but uh, I can at least acknowledge the fact that I am in Christ and you can do the same if you've trusted Jesus as your redeemer and as your savior. So in fact, that is that is the very location in which our redemption takes place. And that's what he wants to get at here. In him, we have redemption through his blood. You see, we are in him and it is through the fact that his shed blood, blood excuse me, his shed blood is the thing or is the action that has uh, um, uh, paid the penalty for our sin. And we have been released. We have been delivered. The word uh, redemption actually uh, refers not not merely to the uh, the payment of uh, of uh, uh, of a new master you might say in a slave market that's that's where the source of this term is uh, the term uh, comes from that slave market uh, image in which a new master uh, wins the bid and uh, and purchases a new slave but this purchase price isn't just the price itself it is an emancipation price and so this is the work of uh, of someone who who has emancipated slaves from an old master. And uh, that's what it is. And of course, it starts with the penalty phase. It starts with the payment of death. And that's what it gets at here. Uh, we have redemption through his blood. This is, not an, uh, this is not a money exchange. This is a life exchange. Jesus shed his blood. That is, he died on our behalf so that we could be free from not only the penalty of sin, but also the slavery of sin, the master of sin. You see, Jesus himself said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. That Those are Jesus's words. And uh, that's in John chapter eight, verse 34. You see, we have an idea that that uh, sin has a penalty, of course, and that that's very, very true. Just like uh disobedience has uh, some sort of discipline action or some sort of punishment sometimes. Um, and so we kind of understand that. Uh, that's a part of uh, maybe our upbringing. But uh, uh, we don't have this idea real clear or real uh, significant in our own minds that that it's not only just the fact that we have punishment that has now been taken by Jesus, but that punishment was given so that we could be free from the bondage. It has to do with the grip of sin as much as it does with the penalty for sin. And so that's what Jesus' death has done. And notice this is by his blood. That means he not only died, he died in a violent manner. That means his blood was released from his body. And that was the kind of death it was. Uh, This wasn't a natural death. This wasn't just a willful death, uh, even though he... uh, 
he willfully uh, and and uh, voluntarily went to the cross that's the true that is true but uh, he didn't he didn't uh, uh, will himself to die he did die and uh, he died a violent death by releasing the blood out of his body and that's what that refers to and so this death of Christ on the cross uh, releases us not only from the penalty but all, uh, but penalty of sin but also from the bondage to sin uh, Romans chapter 7 verse 14 says for we know that the law is spiritual but I am of the flesh sold into bondage to sin there is a bondage there's a captivity going on there is a master slave relationship that we are not aware of we think that we've done a few things wrong, and yes, we've made a few mistakes, and we've had some poor choices in our life. But you see, what, what we need to understand is, is that this thing called salvation is, is something uh, richer, is something more extravagant than that. And that means that, uh, that we, we come to Jesus's death on the cross in a desperation to be freed from the bondage of our sin, not just its penalty. And uh, that's what he has offered to us. Um, uh, Romans chapter 3, verses uh, 23 and 24, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's the behavior of sinning, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. He has purchased us, and he has purchased us for uh, uh, for the purpose of releasing us from the bondage and the grip and the masterhood of this sin, this uh, this. Uh, this ingredient that made our lives miserable. And uh, uh, Colossians chapter 1 says, he rescued us from the domain of darkness. This is verses 13 and 14 of Colossians 1. And transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So we understand forgiveness, but we may not understand this uh, this transfer from darkness to life. Life, that is, uh, this uh, this release from the from the uh, slave market of sin itself. Sin is holding us in bondage, and Jesus has released us by His death, by His blood. Uh, Titus chapter two says, "Who gave Himself." for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his for his own possession jealous that is zealous for good works so he has he has done a work to bring us into his possession and he is uh is not uh, he is a good master? He is not uh, a tyrant or a dictator, and uh, that's what's refreshing because Hebrews chapter two verses fourteen and fifteen says, "Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, so that uh, through the death uh, he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death." were subject to slavery all their lives uh, so that we uh, have been released from that slavery, from that bondage, from that addiction, you might say, uh, to sin. And so that is how it is accomplished through his death and his substitute of his um, 
his own body and blood on our behalf so that the penalty is taken care of, but also the power has, a, has, uh, has been uh, released. And that's what's at stake here. It says, and, and it has a purpose. See there, it says, uh, it says later on, it says, we have redemption through his blood with forgiveness of our trespasses. That means we've been released from all punishment for our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. This means that, that God's grace is, a, is an abundance. And, and he's already, already talked about the fact that, uh, that his grace in verse 6, which he freely bestowed on us, in the beloved. So in Christ, in his beloved son, we have grace bestowed freely as if as if you need to double up on words because of the meaning of the ner- the term grace uh, already has in it the fact that this is a favor, this is a free gift, and so he doubles up and says it's been freely bestowed kind of a gift. And then he doubles up again and says which he lavished on us. That means it, it's abundant. Uh, it mean, It's more than enough to take care of our sin. It is more than enough to overpower our sin and give us the freedom we need from our sins. And uh, uh, you see, because uh, it is it is accomplished through the death of his son. You see, it's always been that way. Since Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, God made Adam and Eve garments of skin, it says. They had made garments of, of, the, uh, of the plants, but God made a garment of skin. What does that mean? That means God had to kill one of the animals in the garden, and that animal had to shed its blood so that uh, God could cover Adam and Eve with a new thing that they hadn't thought of to release them from the guilt of their transgression and provide for them an access to have fellowship with God once again. So that pattern is now the same here. And we'll be back right after this brief interlude. chapter 1 of the book of Ephesians, and we've made our way down to uh, the last part of verse 7. There is a phrase that is, uh, 7 and 8 that is, and uh, there is a phrase that's translated as part of the sentence of verse 9, and so that's one of the reasons why uh, verse divisions uh, sometimes are a little awkward when you actually get to the flow of the passage uh, as it is uh, better understood, perhaps in better English translations. But it says, uh, we have this redemption, and and uh, we have this 
grace because of what Jesus has done in in shedding his blood. That is dying a violent death, uh, uh, not a natural death, as a substitute for our sin. He was punished for our sin. The wrath of God was poured out upon him, and the wrath of men was also poured out upon him, and he functions as that ultimate, complete sacrifice and penalty. And it's not just the penalty. It's the fact that the penalty being paid frees us from the slavery, from the bondage of sin that has been uh, over us uh, in uh, all of our lives until we trust Jesus. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, it says, for it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, where the things on earth are things in heaven. So Jesus' death on the cross is the centermost point of human history, of all history, of heavenly history. It is, it is right there that the Redeemer paid the price for our redemption. And that's, uh, that's the glorious thing. And that means that our, our, our uh, trespass, trespasses can be forgiven. And uh, the riches of his grace has has been lavished on us. And, uh, you know, uh, according to the riches of his grace, it says, notice that it says according to there. Uh, And when it says according to, you see, if if someone is a very, very wealthy person, there uh, there is one action that that wealthy person can take. And you might say uh, that he has benefited us or she has benefited us uh, out of their abundance. In other words, if a millionaire gave me a hundred dollars, then that would mean he has benefited me out of his wealth. And that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong in that. But, but what this passage is teaching is if a millionaire wrote a check to me for a hundred thousand dollars, then you see that's different. That is the millionaire uh, benefiting me according to his riches, not just out of his wealth, but according to his wealth. Some sort of dimension that's related to his wealth. And so uh, that's what God has done in his grace. He has lavished it on us. And then that last phrase in uh, verse uh, verse 8, it says, in all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him. There is something that God is working through Jesus, even in us, uh, to accomplish his will. There is a certain wisdom, there's a certain insight that he had when he was orchestrating our salvation. This is not just a simple deal, even though it is simply understood by the fact that Jesus died for me. That's a simple thing, and you can understand that. But, uh, but the, the impact of that, the result of that, is, is enormous, and that's what he's getting at here. Um, in all wisdom and insight, God orchestrated. He skillfully set about in his Son to reveal a mystery to us. This wasn't known in the Old Testament. It was uh, it was revealed in pieces and parts, but uh, now this mystery has been revealed. This idea of, of having a mystery uh, 
isn't just the idea of of a riddle that's hard to understand, uh, even though perhaps some people may find riddles in the Bible and they try to solve those riddles, or they may find a puzzle that needs a solution and they they want to find a solution to this puzzle. But and and that's okay. But in this passage, he's he's not he doesn't use the word mystery in that way. The word mystery in the New Testament is referring to those things or uh, even uh, even a bigger thing that wasn't revealed in the Old Testament that has now been revealed and now Paul calls that a mystery and he gets to this later on in chapter 3 he he extrapolates on this mystery but for now uh, it is uh, it is something that we we just have to take that this is something that is uh, it has not been completely revealed at all in the Old Testament even though we have snatches and and uh, concepts that we can glean from the Old Testament scriptures, but there is something going on here that's bigger than that. In fact, uh, he says so in Colossians chapter 1, um, uh, pretty briefly in verse 25, it says, of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might full, uh, fully carry out the uh, preaching of the word of God, that is the mystery which was which has been hidden from the ages past, that is from past ages, excuse me, and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. There is this mystery, and Paul is the implement of revealing this mystery to the churches, and uh, this is a fantastic thing, and what he, uh, he spoke of of there in Colossians chapter 1, he, he spends a great deal of time in Ephesians chapter 3. That's one of the reasons why we chose to do the book of Ephesians, was to unload this mystery that wasn't revealed in the Old Testament. In other words, if you went back to Daniel chapter 9, verses 25 through 27, you'll find some things uh, revealed there about uh, God's timetable for the nation of Israel, but you will find that there is a certain kind of a gap between the, uh, the 483 years and the last seven years of that timetable. And uh, even though we don't have the uh, time to get into uh, explaining that passage, I just want to refer to it by saying that there is that gap that's hinted at in Daniel. Daniel and uh, between the Messiah being cut off and uh, the the last seven year period and the reason for that gap has now been revealed. This is the revelation. This is the mystery that has now been unloaded. It's been downloaded to Paul and it's been transcribed to us so that we can understand what this mystery is. And it's not it's not uh, uh, necessarily the the nation of Israel. This is something new, and uh, we'll, we're going to get into that later in chapter 3. But I wanted you to know that that is what is behind that word here in verse 8, uh, this mystery that is verse 9. Uh, according to this kind intention, this is something God wanted to do. He wanted to do it for us. This was out of his own kindness, and uh, he didn't have to do this. He didn't have to do any of this. 
He didn't have to send his son. His son didn't have to die on the cross. Uh, None of those things had to be done. He wasn't obligated for anything. But why did he do it? Because he had a kind intention. He had a certain purpose that is to be uh, fulfilled. And that's what he says. According to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, that is his son, Jesus Christ, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of time. You see, there is a a new administration that is about to come that uh, is going to be placed upon the whole earth. And that administration is going to be ruled by God's son, the Messiah, the king of Israel, the king who will one day sit on David's throne on the earth. There is an earthly dimension to Christ's salvation as well as a heavenly dimension. And that's what he says, the summing up of all things in Christ. There is going to be this culmination of earthly history that's going to uh, be absorbed into Christ, and Christ himself will rule on earth, and his kingdom will be here on earth, and uh, it will be a fullness of the times. That is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. You see, salvation includes things on the earth. And we'll get to that later. And it it didn't happen immediately, just like our salvation didn't happen immediately, but uh, it has been paid for. It has been orchestrated in such a fashion that we are being prepared for it when it comes, when he comes, when he returns to set up his kingdom, we will be prepared for that kingdom. And how is that going to be? In him also, it says, um, in verse uh, that those last two words of verse 10 and then verse 11 it says in him also we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose who works all things after the counsel of his will and again um, I want to emphasize uh, uh, or at least focus upon that word predestination because or predestined because he used it uh, earlier in uh, in the first paragraph where it says in verse 5, he predestined us uh, uh, to adoption as sons. And now it says he uh, predestined us according to his purpose, uh, who, who works all things after the counsel of his will. And this predestination, at least the way that Paul uses this word in this passage, does not refer to uh, the fact that God picks certain people to be saved and picks other people to be lost. That's not what's going on in this passage. Now, there is a sense in which the sovereignty of God is still at work to draw us and call us to Christ. That is true. But in this passage, the word predestined refers to those who have trusted Christ are predestined to something else than just salvation itself or just being born again. This term is used in this passage twice in referring to God's purposes for us in the future. As adoption as sons doesn't refer to being born again into God's family, that was in verse 5, but refers to adoption as sons in the the sense of where a culture would would take an adopted son who has uh, been taken perhaps as a child or a baby and and, uh, had been brought into the family. But 
when he is presented in public as an inheritor of of the estate, then he this is what's called the adoption of sons. And uh, even though we think of it in terms of a little baby being adopted and taken home into a new family, this term is used in, in referring to the placing of an adult adopted son into the public so that he receives an inheritance. And the same way here, look at this, uh, this predestined according to his purpose who works all things after the counsel of his will. Verse 12 says, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. You see, we uh, uh, have been predestined to something else. As believers in Christ, we have a destiny that has been prescribed by the Father, and that destiny is going to result in the worship of God and the glory of God. Our purpose will be accomplished when we glorify God in heaven and on earth uh, when we follow the Lord Jesus, and he returns to the earth and sets up this kingdom, this abundant uh, place that is uh, that is the summing up of all things into Christ and we will be there with him and we will be a part of his glory as he reigns on earth as the Messiah and the King of Israel. And when we do so, that is what we've been called to be. That is the the object of our predestination. Not that we were picked out to be saved, but that after being saved, we were predestined for this role, for this position, for this ultimate goal. And that is a real blessing. Father, thank you for this passage. Thank you for these dear words, these precious words of promise and of hope and of purpose so that we know that you have set about in your own kind intention a thoughtful way to set us into eternity and prepare us for that place. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed our presentation today. This is Glendale Tony. Join us again for the next episode of Feeding the Flock. <laughs>